From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to Total SF. Welcome back, Ideen Vaziri. And um, what job are you doing today, Ideen? Today I'm a wildfire reporter. Yesterday I was a coronavirus reporter and uh, I think the day before I wrote about Metallica's drive-in concerts. I am not laughing because none of this is funny and this is a big crisis, but um, it's such a ride that uh, you and I have both taken, but you've really taken. Um, were you a, you're a news reporter kind of part-time now, but when, when the shelter-in-place hit, both you and I went and worked for the Metro section. Had you ever done that before? I, not at a major newspaper. I mean, at my college paper, I was the editor, so I did a little bit of everything, but no, and I was this, we were really thrown into it here because it wasn't just any news. It was a lot of news, a lot of bad news, a lot of really um, fine, really nuanced news that we kind of had to get our heads around. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a trip. It's different from covering outside lands. There is going to be no good segue here going from the coronavirus to Chuck Prophet, but uh, we're going to do it. Chuck Prophet, you've known him for a long time. Um, what do you think of him as a musician and also just as kind of a San Francisco figure? I mean, he's such a unique, talented individual. Uh, he, he's just, there's no one quite like him. And you can tell by listening to his music, if you have a conversation with him, it's you always walk away feeling a little bit inspired and buzzed. Um, he's just, he's a, he's really a, truly a Bay Area gem. It's, there's no other way to put it. Yeah, I, I just think he's kind of the bard of the Bay Area. Um, I met him when he was organizing this anniversary concert, this huge anniversary concert at City Hall. And I knew a little bit about him and interviewed him and loved him. So I started going back and listening to his music, and he's on this five album, six album run, I don't know what, but from Night Surfer to Temple Beautiful, which is all kind of San Francisco songs. It's just poetry about San Francisco. Bobby Fuller Died for Your Sins was the last one. And The Land That Time Forgot is the new one. You wrote a date book story about this album, and I guess there's a book also coming out. What can you tell me about Chuck Prophet and this album, and, and if it relates to what's going on right now at all. It, you know, I kept asking him if he wrote it this year while he was while we were all in shelter in place, and he said, no, it was finished last year. But when you listen to it, it sounds so relevant and so timely. He just has such a sharp mind that he can make, he can make anything sound like it was written for today. It's, uh, you know, the, the politics and the social, the songs about social injustice, they're just so of the moment um but then again he sings them like an old soul like and they sound like they've been kicking around forever it's it's really really unique yeah i mean he, there's a song he he closes with a song about donald trump get off the stage while you you've got an ugly mouth you got no heart at all except for your russian pal you're an obstruction in democracy's bow, and the patient is dying. So come down off that stage, please get off the stage. <laughs> 
on down and take a seat. We'll put some John Prine on repeat. There's political songs here, but there's also what starts off with just this absolute pop gem that I think was influenced by his recent uh, strong reconnection with the Rubenews. I listen to these songs, and on one hand, I'm like, this is so prescient. You know, it's like totally for this moment. On the other hand, I'm listening and thinking, these are songs that I would love to hear in a live venue right now, and we can't have that. Yeah, I mean, it's a real shame. A little Instagram concert's not going to cut it, and Chuck <laughs> Chuck has already made clear that he was not going to do, he's not a fan of live streaming. Um, but as you know, one of the his last shows was happened right as um, the pandemic hit and he was on his way to South by Southwest as everything shut down and the festival was canceled and he went ahead and played. And uh, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he had some interesting stories to share about that. Yeah, well, he talks a little bit about that in this podcast. We talk about a lot of things, where he's getting good Mediterranean food in San Francisco, um, a little bit about the songs and a little bit about, you know, what his state of mind is right now and what he's thinking about independent venues and the future. Um, we just cover a lot. And uh, your article is out. My podcast is out. Happy to have the synergy with you, Idine. It's pretty great. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> Good to have you on. Chuck Profit's coming up. This is Total SF. Thank you very much. Chuck Prophet, welcome back to Total SF. Not in the SF Chronicle archive anymore. Uh, the world has changed. Uh, welcome back, though. That's too bad. I like that image of you chained up in the basement down there, <laughs> cranking out content. <laughs> Sorry we're not there. I, I do say I, I listen to your country show, and I love the little video you put up ahead of time. And you look like you have a really good pandemic bunker there. Yeah, well, I mean... I guess that's one of the secrets that people aren't really that people don't really talk about is that musicians we are homebodies, you know. And uh I'm not going stir crazy, you know. I mean Yeah. Just give me like a chair, a stack of records, a turntable, you know, put me in the corner, maybe a sandwich around two PM. But I'm not that complicated. And um there is something about the big pause button that I've enjoyed. And I'm not particularly worried about today. I'm not worried about like tomorrow or the next day. But I do have this low level anxiety all the time about the big picture and what this thing's going to look like on the other side. I, I, I live in the Castro. There's all these businesses that are boarded up. Retail in San Francisco has been a real mess for some time. You know, mm -hmm. brick and mortar, whatever people call it. And you know, I, and I just hope that when we see these this, these plywood <laughs> come off these buildings, that it's just going to be a bunch of empty storefronts and a, like a Starbucks on every corner. You know, you know, because that's quite possible. The the, corp the corporate uh, these big corporations they can weather any storm. You know, uh, they can. But here's here's where I'm going to be a little bit of an optimist, and I'm often wrong. But what I'm hoping is that all of these corporations kind of got into our heads that as part of our routine, we needed them. And now we're out of our routine and we can look around and go, hey, wait a second, 
these places that mean a lot to me that can do some of the same things that these corporations can. I think about an independent bookstore. I mean, I've really learned during this pandemic that I can pre-order books just like on Amazon at an independent bookstore. So I don't know. I, I hate to be the optimist because, you know, I'm often wrong, but I'm just hoping people are walking around their neighborhoods right now and seeing what's going on. Well, look, to be an optimist in 2020 uh, right now is probably about the most punk rock thing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is this uh, the longest you've been home? Like, like how? when's the last time you've had months off like this? Because you, you two I are couldn't constantly... tell you. I, I just don't think so. I mean, you know... Um, I mean, I've probably been gone since 84, 85, you know. Um, That's just the way it has. That's the way it's been for me. People ask me, like, how many shows do you play a year? I couldn't really say. I know that when, like, behind a record, we go out there and we really give it the college try to take take it to the people and do the hand-to-hand combat. And we'll play any town that will have us. We'll play most of those towns twice. And that doesn't mean if it's, like, you know, uh, Belgrade, Serbia or, you know, Fresno, um, so maybe a hundred shows a year and I'm gone a lot with projects and things like that. And I mean, I enjoy it, but I enjoy getting home too. So yeah, yeah, this has been a, this has been a big pause. Have you been, have you been kind of, you know, negotiating your neighborhood? Have you been walking around a lot? Have things been changing just around you? Have you had a chance to maybe discover a few more things about San Francisco too? There were about three questions in there. Well, yeah, no, I've done some walking tours with my sister. We just went to a, we we just went on a great uh, walking uh, hike yesterday at uh, the corner of 16th Avenue and Kirkham, I believe it was. And there's a lot of stairs involved. Uh, the, the women in my family, they all weigh about 80 pounds. They just fly up those stairs, you know. <laughs> so yeah, some great views, and you're looking over the city, and it's still out there. Um, you know, yeah, uh, there's been a lot to uh, explore. I don't know where the time goes. I honestly don't. I know that there's, it stands to reason that when we get on the other side of this, there's going to be some kind of uh, creative explosion, a lot of poems, a lot of uh, records, a lot of, uh, you know, screenplays. But in my case, not so much, you know. I mean, I, I just, it just seems like there's a lot to observe right now and so much to just kind of yeah. soak in. And I just finished a record, and, and after I get a record to behave and wrestle that monster to the ground, I don't want to get back. You know, I don't want to get back and do that again. I, I was getting ready to just drive around in a van and uh, drink coffee and hang out and you know, go from town to town for the next year. I, you know, I, I love the album, Land That Time Forgot. I, uh, High as Johnny Thunders, I listened to that first. If Bukowski was good looking And Napoleon was tall If Joan of Arc just took her meds She'd be a movie star If up was down and down was up Imagine where we'd be The New York Dolls would still be here Music would be free and I'd be high Then I pre-ordered, and the songs have kind of been trickling in, which is different than my like 
experience that I was I, I still sort of in my head am used to, which is like you go to Tower Records and you get the album. But I kind of like it. What I'm thinking, though, as I'm listening to them is like how great these would sound live. And I wanted to start just by asking, did you get a chance to play some of these great songs live? Absolutely. Um, as you were? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I started the record here in San Francisco uh, with producer Matt Weiniger, who's an old friend of mine. Um, and um, we got off to a pretty great start, and then we just kind of hit a wall. Um, one night we couldn't. We one night we didn't have an assistant in the studio. We couldn't figure things out, and we were there till one in the morning. And then, and then when we left the studio, Matt found that his car had been towed, and so I took him down to the tow yard. And we we're trying to negotiate with this county clerk behind like three-inch bulletproof glass. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been there. <laughs> and you know, at a certain point, we just looked at each other and we're like why does it have to be so hard? You know, it seemed like all the musicians, yeah. like their schedules were so difficult. Everybody's got like five jobs these days. Um, so I ended up doing a solo tour and I played a lot of the songs live. And, you know, I've got a song, three presidential songs. I've got one about Lincoln. I've got one about Nixon that's based on a true story where I grew up and, you know, it's called Nixon Land. I grew up in Orange County and it's about, you know, going on a field trip with my fourth grade class and to Nixon's first law office. And then there's another presidential song that is, um, uh, I guess, a little more contemporary. And Get off the stage. Yeah, get off the stage. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, I played that song for audiences. And, and um, honestly, if I hadn't got the laughs, you know, I probably wouldn't yeah. have cut the song. But the, I knew that the jokes landed. And... Um, and it, it felt great. So yeah, I did get to play these songs live, and I did get to see how people responded, and that you know that goes a long way. You you play red and purple states. Um, what is a song like that like in a place that's not the Bay Area, and has that changed too? Because I, I find I have some kind of Fox News watching relatives who I've always gotten along with, and now I feel like sort of like there's this barrier if if we talk about anything it's going to be a fight and i'm wondering as you touring a song like that you know i don't know you know my sister it... she remarried and she had a rough go of it and she remarried a great guy and uh my oldest sister and 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 he's uh you know he's a staunch republican and you know i always tell my mother hey you know i can look the other way i mean they're good for each other, and I'm glad that... And then I say, you know, Mom, I've been saying that so long. I mean, I, I, I never <laughs> believed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, yeah, get off the stage. I mean, I played it uh, in Houston. I played it in Dallas. Uh, and uh, one night, the promoter um, was in the back of the room, and there was a table full of people, and, uh, and I said that I was going to play a presidential song, and this, you know, warning that this song is a little more contemporary. And mm -hmm. um, and this woman at this table said, "Oh hell, I don't think I'm <laughs> going to lock this guy." <laughs> and um, and uh, uh, and and the promoter just sort of, you know, leaned back against the wall, and he said that I got I got laughs. So you know that made me feel uh -huh. really good. But people people are nuts, you know. I, I tell people I, I preface the song by saying like I would hope that anybody that knows me just by the fact that I'm standing here, I, I would hope they know that I'm not a fan of kids in cages. You know, that's usually yeah. how I preface it. 
And I get emails from people, and they they there's some there's some link out there to a story that says that it was Obama that built the cages. So then I have to respond to people like, I don't really care if your mother, if my own mother built the cages. I'm just not a fan <laughs> of kids in cages, you know. But the links, but people would send me that one link repeatedly. So I had to start saying live that look, you know, if you want to send me a link, I want to let you know right now that if that's how you're winning an argument, you know, links are weak. <laughs> You're weak. <laughs> well, I you, you have a I mean I I listen every uh, two p.m. on Friday to your Gimme Country show, and you played Alex Nieto right after the protests. There, I'm I'm having to think that you know there's a lot of people who listen to Gimme Country who maybe aren't of the same mind, but also maybe they're listening to the lyrics and they like you and it's a chance to communicate. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, we play in St. Louis, we play in Kansas city, we play, you know, all throughout the Midwest, Pittsburgh, and, um, you know, we play in West Virginia. Um, I don't call them flyover states, you know, and I don't yeah. call Ohio a flyover state unless I want to get a, you know, Chrissy Hines vegan boot up my ass. You know, I don't, <laughs> so I play those places, you know, and like I yeah. tell people, unless you've been at a Walmart at three in the morning, you're looking through the auto parts to, you know, on the outskirts of Pittsburgh, you don't know anything about what's going on out there. As far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, there was a time when the world was like a Bon Jovi song where if you could lift heavy stuff down at the docks, then, you know, maybe you could say dinner better be on the table at six or else. But, you know, that time has come and gone. That ship has sailed. It's not. It's women's time now. They're better managers. They're better collaborators. Um, and they're more educated. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of men out there that have been left behind. I feel their pain. But, um, hey, we had a pretty good run. Yeah, and I agree with you, but as you were saying that, I was also thinking I'd pay like $200 right now to hear a Chuck Prophet cover of Living on a Prayer, <laughs> like the Nicasio. Visit my Patreon page. <laughs> okay. What, uh, so you were touring when you know we were shutting down here. Do, do you remember your last song that you played? I don't recall what the last, yeah, it might have been Willie Mays is up at bat. Um, I recall we played three shows in Texas, you know, it was like March 14th, 15th, 16th. Yeah. Um, somebody said to me recently, you know, I've, I've had mixed feelings. I've had sort of a little bit of guilt about pushing it that far. And somebody said, oh, Chuck, you know, we didn't have all the information. There was no way you could have known. And I said, I had all the information I needed. I had, a, I had that guarantee sitting on the table. I wasn't going to leave it sitting there, you know. Yeah. And so... When we got when I did fly back, I think on March 17th from Austin, I was on a Southwest flight with like five people, and yeah. And the next morning, there was a clip on Facebook, and it was our last song. And I was leaning over the stage, and like sweat was dripping off, and I was giving a high five, you know, to all the people in the front row. And the last notes of the chord were ringing out, you know, and and I thought, God. What an idiot, you know, this, you know, that, that's going to be a meme after I die. Like, don't be like this dumbass. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and so, yeah, we pushed it. We pushed it a little bit too far. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess, I, you know, we got lucky. I, I'm not going to say Heather Knight and I were telling people to go out in Chinatown and spend money like a week 
before because at the time, you know, people were sort of talking like Chinatown was a dangerous place to go and it was no more dangerous statistically. But I look at those tweets now and if anybody goes back to those, you know, and I, I'm not going to delete them. I'm going to give everybody the opportunity to to look at the tweets where I look like an ass. But I mean, it's just, hey, come on down here and buy stuff. I mean, I, it just... It was a different time. Yeah, well, my wife, Stephanie, God bless her. You know, I thought she was overreacting. She thought I was underreacting. Um, We're probably both right at times, but I think she's mostly right. Uh, (laughs) So so the album, how are things different? Um, And how much are you itching to play these songs? Uh, You know, they're on the radio. You're talking about them to people like me. What's it like sitting there and not being able to play these, these great songs that are out? Well, sometimes songs really do like assert themselves. Uh, you might put a song in the set, and it just becomes something that would be very hard to take out of the set. You know, you look around the bandstand, everybody would feel it. You know, other times, you know, you have a new record, you, you might stick four new songs in the set and kind of put your toe in the, you know, dip your toe in the water and and you know see if they can survive, if they can stand up for themselves, if you know. But this record, I, I have had that feeling that God, I, you know, I was really looking forward to playing these songs live. I just knew that there was a lot of song. There, there were some songs that were going to stay in the set. That's, you know, I, I miss it. You know, I miss the hand-to-hand combat out there. I mean, um, it's hard. I know some of the guys in my band, you know, being away is harder. For me, it's almost like a vacation to get away from making the records. And and it's nice to, um, it's nice to see the people out there. And, you know, they're usually happy to see me, and I know I'm happy to see them. So it's a pretty good deal. We'll be right back after this short break. Well, I I, uh, I love the album. I love the streak you've been on. It reminds me of, you know, I remember in the 90s, kind of when I fell in love with a lot of this kind of music, you know, Steve Earle had like five albums in a row that just crushed it. And this, I've listened to seven twelfths of it, and I think it's tied for my favorite album of All right. right now. So okay. I hope people check it out. I remember, I can't I remember wait to... that Steve Earle run, starting with when he got out of jail with "I'm All Right." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah um, probably past the mountain and into transcendental blues in Jerusalem. Um, Stuff, do you notice the stuff that's missing? I, I think hardly strictly bluegrass is coming up, and that's, I think, where it's really going to hit me when that's not happening. Are there landmarks like these that you're, that you're passing by right now? I think playing in the UK, I think uh, I really miss that audience, you know? I mean, um, going to a gig is so ingrained in their culture. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, uh, they, they get a pint of beer, they belly up to the front, they hurl insults at me. And it's all part of it, you know, that hooligan. And <laughs> I, I miss that. I, I, miss, I miss playing in England. Uh, it just goes on and on. Yeah, this would have been the 20th anniversary of Hardly Strictly Bluegrass. 
Um, yeah. And uh, I think this year it's going to go online, and they're going to find a way to celebrate and honor the 20th anniversary. And I think there's going to be some cool stuff around that. But, yeah, I mean, um, so much of it. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, independent uh, uh, venues. And, um, you know, I, I'm not worried about the creativity right now. I mean, I know coming out of this, there's going to be a lot of great music. I'm worried if there are going to be places to play it. And I'm worried, you know, I, I want people to come back and think of, you know, independent movie theaters, independent venues, these places that are irreplaceable is almost like a civic act. I mean, you know, and, and, and when it's safe, when you feel safe, so I wanted to talk a little bit about those places, but I wanted to start by just asking you if you remember your first SF gig or if there was kind of a landmark indie venue that you remember playing um, kind of when you got started. Well, I mean, you know, when my family moved to the Bay Area um, from Southern California, uh, we moved to the East Bay, and immediately I tuned into a thing um, – called uh, Maximum Rock and Roll, which I believe was Tuesday nights on CalX Radio. And, you know, it was hosted by a couple of guys. And what they would do was they would play um, imported records from England, you know, punk rock records. Uh, they'd play some locally made punk rock records, which to me were completely mind-blowing that somebody would make a record, you know. And they also played, you know, some classic stuff from the library. Some they'd play some Kinks and some Mott the Hoople, and then they'd interject their uh, progressive politics b between songs. And the cool thing about that show is it was a kind of a beacon, and and that they had an entertainment calendar, you know. Mm -hmm. And so they would say like, "Oh, Friday night at the uh, Temple Beautiful, uh, Black Randy and the Metro Squad and the Mentors are going to be playing." And and so that was what I tuned into, and you know. Um, those are the earliest shows I saw, like shows at the Temple Beautiful out on Geary, which is was next door to the former Jonestown Church. Oh, I'm sorry, Jim Jones Church. Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that was like, so, in so many ways, that was my education. I've talked a lot about it. You know, I saw Wall of Voodoo there before they had a record out. Um, they had a sound. They had a guy playing like a surf guitar, and they had... Like the, it sounded like their grandmother's uh, the the beatbox from their grandmother's organ with a, you know, and every once in a while for like an emphasis, the drummer would just hit a trash can lid on a downbeat or something, and and Stan Ridgeway stalked the stage and he sounded like he was singing through a telephone receiver, a radio, and those were huge gigs for me. And when you talk about yeah. places like the Mabuhay Gardens. Um, and later, places like the Paradise, where you know there were three stages and four bands, you know, on each stage every night, uh, these places made it possible for me. All that stuff was my education, and and that doesn't even include like the Four Star, the Vogue, the Balboa, the you know the the Red Vic, the the Roxy, the the Electrics, uh, the Strand, the um, the York, you know, all these movie theaters where I saw, and the Castro, where I saw uh, so many films. Um, stuff like the Tammy show with James Brown. All these things, you know, like it was just all part of my education. And that's so much of what San Francisco is for people. It's an education. And, um, you know, those are going to be the first things that go away. And that's what draws all these creative people, you know? That's what makes it an attractive place. 
Are there some some particular clubs that you're thinking about now? I mean, places that are still around that you're you're hoping are there when when we come out of this. And I know the answer is all of them, but but I mean, are there a couple of kind of home clubs for you that you're really thinking about? Well, I don't know that. It, I'll, I'll just put it on put. I'll just give people some perspective, you know, because there's yeah. a lot of like save local music, uh, you know. Yeah, it, it would help if people came out to gigs and were supportive. That's great. Uh, we need that, you know. And and uh, but when you talk about places like the Makeout Room and the Chapel, um, uh, you're talking about places that don't have any corporate entity to carry them through this. When you're looking at the Warfield and you're looking at uh, Slims or the late Slims or the Great American Music Hall, um, you know, those are part of a bigger corporate entity. For all I know, there's Saudi Arabian oil money that's going to carry them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that I think that makes up for a good part of Live Nation's, you know, funding. Uh, and so, those are the people that that are going to need help, and um, those are the guys that that are going to have a difficult time weathering this storm. You know, so. Yeah, I think about all those guys. Well, have you have you visualized it that that first concert back? Is that something that runs through your head? Do you have a set list? I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you set on, you know, you set up, you know, you you go get something to eat if you can. You come back, you're backstage, you make a set list, and then eventually the the place fills up. And yeah, what what are you gonna do? It, you, yeah. you step up to the mic, and I'm just. I'll be just as desperate as I ever was. I'll just, hey, man, it's great to be back. <laughs> I don't know what I'll do. Yeah, well, we'll look forward to it. Um, I got a few kind of lightning round SF questions if, you, if, you've, uh, if you're ready for them, okay? And uh, th- this is going to be kind of useful to people too, hopefully. Um, what's been your SF takeout all-star through this pandemic? Takeout food. Oh, two places in the neighborhood, Starbelly and uh, Starbelly. Uh, they they really, um, they really went about it in a thorough and smart way, and they really impressed me. And um, how so? They just they just had a way of dealing with people when it was new, like please can only one person come in at one time and then they would the way they would treat your credit card and and that was the first place that I stepped out and it was kind of sci fi and uh there was there, there was some some aggression in the line and they knew how to handle people and, and I, I just you know and plus I think the the the, sir, the guy there he recognized me so that always goes a long way. <laughs> uh Excellent. Um, did you have another? It sounded like you had two. Well, no. I mean, I don't know what would be second place. You know, don't, don't you don't have to pick one. I no, just... no, no, no real second. There, there's, you know, like Billy Bean said, there's Starbelly, then there's thirty feet of nothing, and then there's, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's us. <laughs> Didn't think there was going to be a Moneyball quote in there. What's your order like? And I'm sure it's different, but give me a good order what which what should be my starter order because i may get on my bike and go down there this well they've got a wonderful mediterranean plate nice margarita pizza a couple salad selections and uh, there is a burger and it's a very simple menu yeah all right i'm gonna venture into san francisco for the third time i'm off a week so i'm gonna head over there uh, do you have a favorite mask? What's your mask situation? I like, like? the medical mask. A- I got a kind of a big head, and 
and I seem to be wrestling with those other masks, so I use the conventional medical mask. Uh, they come in blue and yellow often, and, and you can kind of get that wire there to sort of like clip around your nose, and it, and, and it can, you know, I feel very secure. Uh, album you've listened to the most? Oh, yeah. Van Morrison's uh, Into the Music. Um. I think it came out in around, 19, maybe it was in 1980 or something. It was actually recorded here in the Bay Area back uh -huh. when uh, Van lived in San Anselmo or something, and so a lot of local musicians. Uh, it's got a lot of space in it. It's, um, it's not a cluttered record. Um, and um, I don't know. It just never lets me down. It just hits my Van spot every time. Is this an album that's always on your list, or does it resonate a little more with what's going on now for you? Well, I had, I, I, I in, in many of the early touring days when I was just a kid, you know, I had that on cassette. So I, that, that might have something to do with it. I, you know, tapping into that, tapping into that place, a um, mm -hmm. little nostalgia for me, but um, I was, you know, delighted to learn that it holds up. Uh, we got one more. Um, what are you looking forward to most doing post-pandemic that you can't do right now? Um, yeah, I look forward to playing. I look forward to restaurants. You know, I look forward to. Um, yeah, I just want to get out of this cage, man. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's nice to go out and feel the sun on your face. You know, I haven't been surfing. Haven't really figured out how to get that. Um, get a hall pass for that around here, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, I did go once in Ventura when we visited the in-laws uh, a couple weeks ago. That felt great. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just miss all of it. I miss the bustle a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think we all do. I, there's things that I didn't expect to miss that I miss. I talk about, like, I'd go to Olive Garden right now just to have that experience if it was safe you know i would never things that i never wanted to do i miss yeah so. totally i mean having said that i haven't it's not like i'm texting my friends and saying like are you all right are you okay you know there was a lot of that like two weeks in you know well i sir i love the album i'm glad we could catch up um i feel uh i don't know you know i feel like i brought you down a little bit and i didn't didn't want to do that, but I also know, knew that you'd bring me up a little bit, and you've done that. Um, your music's done that for me through this pandemic. You don't know it, but I've been listening to it and exploring a little more of your career, going back some places I wasn't going before. So I just want to thank you. Oh, um, boy. I think yeah. you're great, and it's been a, it's been a, a, I'm not religious, but a blessing during this pandemic for me to to have your music in my house. And this new album's fantastic, and I can't wait to listen to the next five-twelfths of it well i love your podcast peter i've told you before i love your soft voice i like your you're <laughs> your relaxed you got a cool style and my sister's a big fan as well so it's nice you know when my sister mentions that at family functions oh peter hartjob he, he he mentioned you the other day and i see see mom i i don't work at the airport i don't <laughs> you know she's always like you know she I, I had a gig one time at the airport the strange gig that was uh Organized by our friend Mark Capel, playing in the United Terminal. I can't even begin. Oh to. yeah, Mark. It, it, it came about during the Christmas holiday, and we did it one year, and it was it was strange. It was like playing in my living room, like standing on a chair, 
Uh-huh. And people would just kind of look at you as they were going, like from the bathroom to the kitchen or something. It was a really a hideous gig, but the money was cool and you know, it probably sounded it. good in concept, yeah, but we then once con- you're we would there, we do it as a trio. We would get some Starbucks and we would have a few laughs, and we had a little little extra Christmas money. Um, but um, you know, my mom heard me talking about that, and then later she said to me, uh, "So, honey, are you still working out at the airport?" I said, "Honey, I don't work." <laughs> I said, "Mom, I don't work at the airport. <laughs> I told you that." <laughs> Sometimes I think she thinks I'm like a pot dealer or something. You know? <laughs> so this, all this stuff goes a long way to help legitimize me, and I appreciate it. All right, well, it's my pleasure. If you need me to make your mom a mixtape of your work, I'm happy to do that for that you. That could work. Because um, <laughs> I love your work. That could and, work. Uh, yeah. Take care of yourself, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, you got it. Should I, should I take one photo of you? I'm going to oh, yeah. do a... Uh... Time. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Ideen Vaziri and our guest today, Chuck Prophet. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by treating yourself to a digital Chronicle edition at sfchronicle.com slash pod.